Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our weekly Healthy Harrison podcast. Glad to have you along. Uh, the Healthy Harrison podcast is a, a show designed to help you change your state, and by that we mean your state of, of health. And our mission is to uh, help folks individually and uh, and then collectively, we'd like to uh, design programs that uh, can change uh, the state of health of people here in North Central West Virginia and all across West Virginia. I'm Gary Bowden, your host, our co-host, as always, is Amy Haberbosch Wilson. Amy's the executive director of the Harrison County Econo Economic Development Corporation, and she's also vice president of Healthy Harrison. Amy, welcome. Thank you. Missed Hello. You missed you last week. Uh, <laughs> I was frolicking in Indianapolis. Well, we missed having you. Yeah. So but welcome I was, back. But I was exercising. So well, good. Good. Yeah. That counts. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the old joke about we were on golf carts most of the time. So I'm not sure how much exercise. <laughs> the old joke about riding the horse. Yeah. The, the horse gets exercised. I'm not so sure about the person riding. But anyway, our show is being streamed live. Uh, on the Healthy Harrison Facebook page, as well as on the statewide distribution network of our media partner, uh, WVNews.com. Every week, we chat with individuals who are focused on the mission of Healthy Harrison, that being to foster measurable improvement uh, to the health and well-being, uh, again, of folks and citizens right here in North Central West Virginia. And eventually, we hope to take, pro take programs uh, across the state of West Virginia. Today, we're going to talk about the, the very serious problem uh, of obesity in West Virginia. Most folks uh, have heard of it. Uh, we want to talk today, though, about ways that individuals can uh, uh, perhaps attack that problem, improve their health, combating uh, chronic disease, uh, and, and also uh, managing their weight, which are uh, always good things. Uh, our guest is Kathy Shaw, who you've seen, we hope, in the background. Kathy, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you along. Kathy's a registered dietitian and a certified specialist in obesity and weight management for the Medical Weight Management Program at WVU Medicine. She has served as a nutrition consultant and educator coach for wellness initiatives, including our own healthy Harrison, at least on one occasion, maybe more multiple occasions. I'm Kathy, I, I know you worked with us when we uh, did a program with the city of Clarksburg. Have you done others with Healthy Harrison? Actually, when we started, uh, John Paul Nardelli kind of initiated Healthy Harrison's workplace wellness program. I okay. kind of, I was the consultant as the dietitian that created the nutrition piece of that. So. Okay. Well, as I, I mentioned in our intro, uh, West Virginia, uh, it, 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 well, I didn't mention this in the intro, but it, it's closely linked to it. West Virginia, sadly, is rarely ranked number one in the country, but we are year after year in the category of obesity. So how did we end up here? Wow, that is a very long, uh, yeah. long history and lots of contributors there for sure. Um, I think, you know, we hear about the the most obvious things, you know, we, we live a sedentary lifestyle, you know, 90% of West Virginians don't meet the physical activity guidelines for Americans. Um, we also have, you know, poor nutritional habits. Most of the time, 90% of West Virginians are not meeting fruit and vegetable uh, recommendations. 40% um, of West Virginian adults are consuming sugar sweetened beverages at least daily. Um, but I think what we don't understand all the time is the background to all of that. Um, because when it comes to things like 
you know, inactivity and poor nutrition, we automatically think that this is very much personal choice, right? Um, but it's really far from that. Um, obesity is a chronic disease and we're learning more and more how and why that is. And it's really affected like any other chronic disease, it affects, it's affected by the social determinants of health, right? Those places, those conditions where we live, learn, work, play and pray, right? And that's the real background and the real backstory about this progressive problem of the disease of obesity. Um, you know, when we look at things like our education level, our uh, income level and economic stability in the state, our rates of unemployment, our healthcare access, um, and our community environments, all of those things contribute to those health risk factors that we have, those indications of poor nutrition or sedentary lifestyles. Um, you know, we have significant issues with education. We have a lot of kids right. who don't graduate high school. We have a lot of people who are not achieving those college degrees. Um, our income is ranked, what, 49th in the country, you know, when it comes to median income. And we have 18% of our, our population living below the poverty line. So that, that definitely impacts how we eat and how we move. Well, you, you've already answered my second question because <laughs> that's all right. I was going to jump right into the fact that income, education, yeah. the rural nature of West Virginia yes. uh, certainly contribute to obesity. Uh, mm -hmm. And I want to ask you about possibly other key reasons, but, sure. but let's dive into them a, a, a little bit more. Why, why, does, uh, why does income and education and the rural nature of West Virginia um, affect people's ability to uh, plan a personal plan of plan of uh, develop a plan of attack against uh, obesity and, and adopt healthier eating habits? Well, we know income is a big factor. Uh, we know that for sure. Um, we know that people with who are living in poverty who have less um, economic access to healthy food, you know, it, it's they have to be able to purchase it, right? Um, and when we do have other foods that are available that may be much cheaper, that's what they're going to buy. Um, education too, you know, not everybody is educated on what healthy nutrition is. Um, we even see when we go into school systems, children who don't recognize different vegetables because they've never been exposed to them before. Okay. Um, and then the rural nature of our state, you know, there's a lot of areas with very poor food, healthy food access. And that's something that we have to work on, you know, locally and statewide, you know, as, as well as nationally, that's a national problem as well. Yeah. Kathy, mm -hmm. you're a member of the uh, Western Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. I hope I said yes. that right. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, why do you think it's people find eating healthy is so challenging? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that involves a lot too, right? Um, our food environment makes it very challenging to eat healthy. Um, we're constantly bombarded with access to prepared foods that are they're usually very highly palatable and highly processed, which means they taste pretty amazing. And that's what drives us to choose to eat what we eat is taste. Um, and when it's around you all the time, it's kind of hard to avoid. Our, we're kind of products of our environment. Um, but also we, we just talked about having inadequate access to healthy foods, you know? So that's a challenge for a lot of people and it happens way more than you think in your own backyard. Um, people have time barriers, you know, packed schedules. So 
that interferes with meal preparation and meal planning, um, life stressors that take people away from those priorities, um, the perceived cost, right? Some people perceive that it does cost a lot more to eat healthy, so they choose not to. Um, the one thing that I, um, I really consider too, and this is something I see just because I am a, a specialist in weight management counseling, is diet culture, right? Misinformation and a lot of marketing and promotion of food and products that cause confusion and they influence people's decision-making and it makes navigating the food environment really difficult sometimes and confusing and people get frustrated. So it is a challenge. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, I, I know people, you said it was a disease. It, it's a mental, I mean, there are a lot of other factors involved. Um, we say we want to, we say, you know what, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to start eating healthy and you have all the options in front of you, you've purchased the food and it, it's still very, very difficult. You know, if you're told you can't have something it, for some reason, it makes you want it even more. <laughs> so. sure. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is, that's why we try not to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Healthy Harrison's all about inspiring new disciplines. Um, what types or tips can you give someone who's, who's starting a whole new road. You know, I'm starting this tomorrow. Um, I want to start eating healthier. Uh, I've tried this before. I've failed at it, but tomorrow I'm going to start. What are some of the tips that you would give someone just starting out? Okay. So here are some of the things that I encounter really frequently that I think are really important. And they might not sound like the things that you think of, but eating regularly, right? Take time to fuel your body regularly. And we skip meals, especially if excessively like breakfast and lunch and we only eat dinner we're often overeating and we're not equipped to make healthy choices because we're so hungry so fueling our body is really important um the second thing eat fruits and vegetables like that's a no-brainer um put them in your eating pattern if you think you don't like them try them in different ways because i guarantee you you'll probably figure out a way that you're gonna like something um i grew up hating brussels sprouts right but guess what? I found ways to make them that I'm like, oh, they're not so bad, right? Um, so I do that a lot with my clients. You know, we, we explore ways to do things. Different. Yeah, broccoli's much better if you smother it in maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can imagine it would be tasty. Just, yeah, just a joke, a little sidelight, yeah. yeah. Um, eat during the day, not late at night. You know, I see this a lot. Um, we want to fuel our bodies for activity during the day. We don't want to fuel our bodies for sleep. So eating earlier in the day can be helpful. Um, and eat out less often. That's like my fourth tip. Eat out less often. Start planning to cook more at home or at least partially cook more at home. Um, there's a lot of ways to prepare healthy meals without having to start completely from scratch. And, you know, sit and eat with your family. You know, we have found that that can be really beneficial, not only for you, but for your children and for your nutritional status. So it, it does make a difference. Let me toss in a, in a question that was not part of the preview uh, content that we, we discussed, but while we're on this topic, so many people today uh, are ordering from services that have totally prepared, delivered to your home. Some yep. of them are just ingredients uh, that are packaged and delivered to your home and you do end up preparing and cooking uh, the meal for the most part yourself. What, what's your take on those? Oh, some of them are just a great resource for people. Um, you know, I have a lot of very 
busy people who really just don't have the time to, to do a whole big, you know, Martha Stewart meal preparation, right? So when you order from some of these um, services, not only do they provide you with the exact amount of ingredients that you need to prepare the meal, um, but they also provide you with nutrition information about that meal. Okay. And they also, a lot of them will provide different types of dietary patterns. So if I have somebody who wants to follow a low carbohydrate diet, they can find a low carbohydrate pattern. Okay. A Mediterranean diet. They can order a Mediterranean meal pattern from a lot of these different um, meal delivery services. And they have a wide range of really interesting things. They're not cheap, definitely. So yeah. you're investing. Yeah. But for someone who's very busy and overscheduled, you know, it's worth the investment sometimes. Yeah, it's just I, I've I've not done it, and I've I've heard a lot about it, and know people that that do, but I haven't heard much information about the nutritional quality of those types of options. Yeah, it varies from from okay. you know diet to diet and and company to company, but you're usually able to pick and choose what you want. So you can modify things, you know, as you need to, according to your own dietary pattern. Yeah. Let me real quickly uh, mention the, the folks that help us bring this podcast, uh, produce this podcast each week. They are WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media, which helps us produce this show each week. Uh, at at the, the risk of losing part of our audience, uh, Kathy, um, let's talk about, let's get into specific foods. Um, name a few things that we, we really, really should either totally avoid or at the very least limit in our diet. Okay. Well, if anybody knows me, they're, they're going to say that I'm not going to tell you to avoid anything. Right? Okay. Because I really believe that you can fit any food into a healthy eating pattern, but are there some foods that we should probably eat less of? Absolutely. You know, a lot of the foods that people are consuming are very highly processed, very highly palatable. So lots of added sugars, added salt, added fat um, that appeals to our taste buds. They're not always the most nutritious thing. And we know that those foods actually entice us to eat more and we end up eating more calories when we eat those types of foods, um, as opposed to eating more whole foods and things that are minimally processed, you know, we tend to eat a little bit less. So, you know, obviously we want to balance that and, and have a happy balance between the foods that are treats and, and kind of our social, um, our social special things that we like to do or you know, traditional cultural foods that are, um, that are treats in our society. Yes, we want to have those things. They bring us joy, but you know, we have to have that balance. And uh, a friend of mine, who's another dietitian, we talk about, Judy and I talk about the 80-20 rule, right? 80% of the time choosing those really good whole uh, minimally processed foods that, that give us good fuel for our body. And then that 20% of the time is for those other really great traditions that we have that, you know what? Sometimes if you're going to a ball game, you gotta have a hot dog and a beer, yeah. right? Um, and that's okay. But, you know, as long as we're doing the other 80%, the 20% can fit in there for sure. Well, let's flip the, the question uh, around and, and talk about then, again, specific foods that you would encourage us to 
uh, add to or increase in our diet on a regular basis. What do you think the first thing I'm going to say is? <laughs> fruits and vegetables. Fruit, veg right? yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, yeah, you've covered some of it already, yes. Yeah, like fruits and vegetables, definitely. Whole grains, right? Not necessarily those refined grains and added sugars we see in, in a lot of our, our, our eating during the day, but whole grains, things like whole wheat pasta, um, whole wheat bread, brown rice, quinoa, all these wonderful grains that... Um, you know, bring us fiber and additional vitamins and minerals. Um, lean proteins that come from not only animals, but plants too. So not only fish, chicken, turkey, that kind of stuff and eggs, but also beans, lentils, chickpeas, um, nuts. Those give us a great source of plant-based protein that are really healthy for us. Um, if you're gonna do fats, olive oil, avocado, uh, olives, nuts, those give us those heart healthy fats that we want to see most often in our diet. And then dairy or dairy alternatives, they offer us a lot of protein, calcium, vitamin D, you know, some of the fortified dairy alternatives like almond milk, you can actually have with additional key protein and, and fortification of those things. They don't usually have things like calcium, vitamin D unless they're fortified. Um, but those give us nutrient rich sources of food that provide us with the vitamins and minerals we need and should be a big basis of our diet. Let me, before we I jump to Amy, let me slip in one more, because I, I wanna ask you about a couple of specific foods that, sure. that it seems like scientists or whomever have gone back and forth on over the years, eggs and bacon, which we <laughs> all seem to like in the morning. Good, bad, moderation, what's the answer? Moderation, okay. that's always the answer. We, we love bacon, we love eggs. And eggs actually give us an excellent source of complete protein and it's mm -hmm. an inexpensive source of protein. I have a lot of my patients who really love to start their mornings with a high protein diet of, of some eggs. Bacon's a little bit more, you know, high sodium, very high in fat, really not a lot of protein there, but it's enjoyable. So a couple of slices, you know, every now and then, you know, the World Health, World Health Organization's not too, not too hip on processed meat. So that would be considered a processed meat right. that we should keep to, you know, moderation or minimum. Well, I like how you said the heart healthy fats. I mean, we, we heard for years, no fat at all, get rid of all your fat. And now we're starting to hear that it, you have to have fat in your diet. And I like the heart healthy fats. So those are, of mm -hmm. course, things we can look for. What about beverages? You know, what are some of the things that we can or cannot drink or should or should not drink, I guess? Well, when it, on the can side, water, 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 yeah. right? Um, <laughs> our, we're, we're made up of a lot of water, so we need to stay hydrated with water. Uh, you know, if you want to put sugar-free flavorings in it and things like that, people, if it gets you to drink more water, okay, you know. Um, unsweetened beverages, definitely. You know, things like even coffee and tea provide us with antioxidants that are beneficial for our health. It's what we put in our coffee and tea that sometimes is, is a little bit less healthy. Um, things we want to kind of steer clear from or at least minimize sugar-sweetened beverages. We just know that um, it's clear that they contribute a lot of excess energy intake uh, to our diets, you know, sometimes hundreds and hundreds of calories a day. Um, and other disadvantages, right? Tooth decay. You know, our dentists don't really want us drinking a lot of soda and, and sweet tea either. Um, Excessive intake of alcohol. Of course, you know, alcohol moderation actually can be semi-healthy, right? We, we know the Mediterranean diet includes a glass of red wine you know, daily. Um, 
but excessive intake of that can be very detrimental to our health and even our weight. You know, like I said, hundreds of calories that we don't really realize we're consuming. What about coffee? Where do you stand on coffee? I, I've, I've, re I've read mixed reviews on both, so. <laughs> coffee is actually great. Um, there are a lot of antioxidants in coffee and, you know, black coffee can be, you know, perfectly healthy. Now, where we get into things is like caffeine. How much caffeine can I handle without getting jittery, right? Yeah. And um, it affecting me, you know, in that regard. And what am I putting in my coffee? And what I find is a lot of people don't actually like their coffee. They like their creeper in their <laughs> coffee. So, you know, if you're not a hardcore coffee drinker and can drink it with a little bit of half and half or something like that, then, you know, you have to evaluate, okay, what am I putting in my coffee and do I really need it? Um, but yeah, it can be very helpful. Uh, uh, Kathy, uh, give us a little comment on sports drinks because sometimes those are not as healthy as one might think. Absolutely. Oh, the marketing around sports drinks. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's incredible. Um, we have a rule of three H's. Okay. So sports drinks are appropriate when number one, it's very hot. Number two, you're exercising longer than an hour. And number three, your workout is really hard. Okay. So our football players, you know, our local guys out there doing two a days in the summer. Yes. By all means, you know, provide them with Gatorade, Powerade, whatever brand of, you know, sport drink you like. Um, but going to the gym for 30 minutes, unnecessary. Having it as a regular drink daily in your own home, definitely unnecessary. Um, there are electrolytes and a lot of sodium in those drinks for a reason, because they're replenishing after sweat. Right. Right? We're not sweating in the living room. So <laughs> we shouldn't be drinking sports drinks at home for, for no there's a reason to drink them and that's not the one. Right. Let me again mention our uh, sponsors. We couldn't do this show without their help. They are WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com and Interaction Media. We touched on this briefly, Kathy. We know that many areas in West Virginia and certainly across the country are what uh, are labeled as food deserts. Uh, explain again, what that means, but also uh, l let's get into what's the fix or, or you know, are, are there areas of our country that are finding ways to remedy the food desert dilemma? Yeah, that is actually a really big problem in our state. And food deserts are defined as areas with lack of access to those healthy foods that define our diet, you know, fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, all those things we talked about. Um, access being the key word, right? Um, and that can be affected by different factors such as income, uh, transportation, and location. So when you look at a low income area or you look at an area that say is urban and is more than a mile from a grocery store, or yeah. that is rural that's more than 10 miles from a grocery store. Yeah, a lot of us think there's a, a Kroger, you know, a couple miles away for everybody and that's not the case. No, not the case at all. And very prevalent in our state that there is a lot of people that their only access to food is fast food restaurants and convenience stores. Yeah. So GoMart, you know, Sheets, whatever. Um, so that's a food desert. And that 40 out of our 55 counties in West Virginia have people with low food access. That is a problem for sure. Um, and as far as the fix, you know, that's a big question mark. Yeah. Um, there are so many great initiatives we look at SNAP education and, and the projects that they do 
trying to bring mobile markets to communities um, to bring produce into communities that don't have access. Um, West Virginia Food Link, which is a project of the WVU Food Justice Lab, maps out our entire state and where the food resources are available so that they can make those connections between people and those resources. Um, we have interactive maps of, of you know, where to find food and food banks and farmers markets and all of these things. Um, but we have a bigger problem of things like infrastructure, transportation, you know, all of that. It's just this, it kind of snowballs into all these other things. Um, so we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, I love, you know, we do mobile markets. Um, some doctor's offices are offering farmer's markets at their actual office. They call it pharmacy, F-A-R-M. Oh. Um, you know, just they're doing wonderful things uh, around the state. I mean, you know, it, it's just going to take a long time to address that issue. If you're uh, counseling someone one-on-one, -on -one, what would be some of your favorites that you might suggest? Here's a place where you can really find healthy eating choices. Um, well, obviously, if they have a local grocery store, that's going to be their most accessible and affordable access to healthy foods, right? But if they have a farmer's market, farmers market you know, sure. locally, yeah. um, we have one right outside WVU Hospital, you know, on Wednesday afternoons in Morgantown. It's fantastic. We spend our lunch break out there shopping for vegetables. Um, we even have programs like Snap Stretch, which offers people who have SNAP, if they go to a farmer's market, can get double or triple the amount of produce with their SNAP benefits, which is great. Yeah. Um, you know, so I encourage people to seek out those types of resources. If they're in an area that um, there's just really poor resources, I will say go to the food bank, you know, and we'll see what we can work with from there because we have to meet these people where they are and try to teach them with what they have. So that's a really important thing is, you know, understanding that not everybody can go to the farmer's market and not everybody can go to the grocery store. So we have to work with whatever they have locally. Um, but you know, there's, there's lots of different places to get healthy food. It just depends on people's access, even online. Now we can order whole foods from Amazon, you know? Right. It's true. True. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the farmer's market. And now that the little pop-up community gardens, it yes. seemed like for the longest time, that was a big thing for the larger cities, the metropolitan areas, they would have the community gardens. And now we're seeing them in rural places, which is nice. Like you yep. said, transportation is an issue. So they're starting to place them at churches and, and get people involved so they know what they're growing and how to grow it and even little boxes inside. And you also mentioned it's costly. It's extremely costly sometimes to eat healthy. So what are some of your recommendations well, as far I as think, where to find cheaper <laughs> Right, options? and I think cost is relative, right? So I think the answer to is it, is it does it cost a lot more to eat healthy is yes and no. Um, Yes, certain seasons of the year, absolutely. Because, you know, if we're buying produce in the summer here in West Virginia, it's going to be much less expensive than it is in December and January, right? Because it's right. out of season and it's coming from other places and it's going to cost us more. Um, so in those times of year, we can switch to things that are frozen or canned, which are very minimally processed, less expensive, more shelf stable, and highly nutritious. So, you know, we can kind of do that flip-flop. When things get cheaper, we have to go toward the cheaper things. Um, things like um, plant-based proteins, 
right? Those are super cheap as opposed to beef right now, which is astronomically priced. <laughs> but, you know, you can get cans or even dried beans for very, very little money and be able to make a meal out of that for an entire family. Um, you know, eggs are a very inexpensive source of protein and you can get those just about anywhere. And more and more people are popping up now with putting chickens in their backyard, which I think is really cool. Um, and then things like oats, you know, that's a very inexpensive whole grain. So it's kind of, you have to make the effort to do some planning to get the most for your money. And that's where time barriers come in and people just like, they don't take the time to do that. Um, right. I don't know about you, but when my, I was, I remember my mom couponing, you know, we, we all clipped coupons, right? And I'm sure people still do that. But I think a lot of people are so busy that they don't think about it very often. True. Well, coupons, time. coupons and even canning. You mentioned yeah. that. Oh, I know yeah. my, my grandmother and great grandmother canned everything. And it was yeah. when they say eat seasonal, you eat what, what you're growing now, but then we had all the canned goods for later. And yeah. so what is your take on, you just mentioned canned and dried foods versus the, the fresh. I mean, we're still getting nutritional value out of the canned goods. Absolutely. You have to watch sodium. I understand that, but yeah. No, yeah, um, when things are canned or frozen, they are canned or frozen at the peak of their ripeness, right? They're preserved at that point. So you're getting actually the most, probably the most nutrition out of that, other than picking it out of your backyard and eating it, right? So, <laughs> you know, some of our foods are traveling for hundreds, for hundreds, even thousands of miles to get to us. You know, those fresh foods lose some nutritional value as they go along, whereas the canned and, and frozen things retain that because they're preserved at that state. Um, so benefits from all three. Absolutely. That's good to hear. So I guess a big question here, how do we convert hundreds of mountaineers to live healthier lifestyles? Um, and can we ever make it to the middle of the pack? I mean, can we, can we change our ranking? Well, we want to say yes, as far as anyone involved with healthy Harrison, but mm -hmm. is it doable? It is doable, but here's the catch. Okay. There's, there's probably about three big things that we have to do. Number one, we have to recognize our own biases, right? Because we look at unhealthy people or we look at people with obesity and we automatically attach a, a stigma or a bias to that and feel that people aren't doing their part. And that is, that's gotta stop, okay? Because this is what keeps people from going to the doctor. If they are treated differently because of their weight, they don't seek out care. And when we don't seek out care, we don't get the access to quality care that we need to be healthy, right? Um, so weight bias and stigma have to be addressed. We have to address it with our healthcare providers as much as our local communities, because we see that in healthcare just as much as we see it in other places. Um, number two, we have to harness technology, right? We saw this during the pandemic, am I right? Not only schools, right, need to harness technology in order to be able to flourish with students, but healthcare, telemedicine exploded during the pandemic, okay? It was, it was amazing the number of people we could reach in rural areas that didn't have access to healthcare before or that couldn't come to see us in the office from three hours away. So we need to really work on that, and that takes what? Broadband access. So that's been a huge issue over the years, yes. as you know. Yes. Um, so if we can do that, we can provide excellence in patient care, whether it's preventative 
or acute and chronic care. So technology is huge. And the last thing is advocacy. And, and everybody's kind of like, you know, these are big picture ideas. We love these grassroots efforts like Healthy Harrison because they're community-based and they're, they're comfortable. But we got to get uncomfortable and reach out and do advocacy for, for folks too. We need to make sure that things like SNAP and SNAP-Ed and WIC are well-funded, that school meals are not only available, but nutritious, and that takes money and labor, right? Um, we need to have transportation and infrastructure so we can get healthy foods into communities that don't have them. Um, we have to promote agriculture, which I think has happened during the pandemic. All of a sudden people are like, I wanna grow my own food. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, I hope that sticks, I really yeah. do. Um, we have to have support for, like real support for clean air, clean water. Our water supply is part of our nutritional status. We have to keep it clean. Um, and we have to have policies for green space. We're, we're just about yes. out of time, Kathy. And this one's a little bit delicate, but yeah. uh, would you like to see healthcare providers perhaps doing a little bit more to address this issue with patients for those that are able to go see a doctor? It, it, it seemed like I've, I've read that sometimes the medical community doesn't want to address the issue of obesity with their patients. They want to treat pain and you know make the aches go away, but don't necessarily suggest that someone seek additional help toward weight reduction. No, I think that is a very important point. It is a delicate situation and yeah. it needs to be handled that way. But we know, you know, as clinicians, yes, this needs to be brought up in primary care. The problem is we have so many other problems we're dealing with in primary care that it's a long laundry list, right? Yeah. But if we can have those physicians, and it's great, my physicians are really working hard on this, trying to get other physicians to, trained to do these things. Um, but to bring that up and to have those referral resources, you know, where can I send them to see a dietitian? Where can I send them to see an obesity medicine specialist? Um, I think that is key, you know, to kind of addressing that problem and, and helping people either prevent it from getting worse or, you know, try to, you know, help them lose weight and, and improve their health. Kathy, I want to thank you very much for joining us uh, today. Uh, I mean, we, everybody reads so much information about all of this and we need folks like yourself that are kind of focused on the, on the truth. Great information <laughs> today. Can, really, really can, good dialed in. Keep us on the right, uh, on the right path. I had a little bit of a very sweet donut this morning, but I only had a third of it. I didn't eat the, the whole thing. Right? So that's, You controlled the portion. That's great. Some, yeah. Sometimes something as simple as that can help a little bit, but thanks so much. Uh, your, your information and, uh, uh, what you've offered is, is certainly of great value and, and, and a lot of us need to hear it, not just once, but many, many times to, yes. before it kind of sinks in. So, okay, well, we, we certainly thank Kathy and we thank all of you for joining us today on our weekly Healthy Harrison podcast. Uh, again, our goal is to change your state of mind, ultimately state, uh, change the state of uh, health here in, again, North Central West Virginia and all of West Virginia. If you want more help right now, one of the things you can do is, uh, or two of the things you can do, visit healthyharrison.org or visit the Healthy Harrison Facebook page. Give us a nice big like, uh, like, but you will find on those two spots 
uh, lots of information that can support your effort, whether it involves nutrition, trying to uh, exercise more often and in a better fashion. There's a lot of a lot of things that uh, you'll find there that'll be helpful to you. Again, we thank our sponsors, WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Uh, Amy, any final words? No, great information. This is one that I would recommend watching again, um, just for the, I've tried to take notes, but there's some great information <laughs> to come back and, and follow up on. Yeah. And if you, if you all, all ever right. need anything, be sure to consult with a dietitian. I will throw that in there. Okay. Appreciate Thank that. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. All right. And we're still working on firming up our guests for next week, but we appreciate you joining us. And uh, we do this uh, uh, every week at this time at 1230, but also there are opportunities uh, at those sites that I mentioned uh, just a moment ago uh, to uh, look back at other episodes of the Healthy Harrison podcast. So until next Friday, we thank you. Have a great holiday weekend. And, uh, and again, uh, Kathy, thanks so much for helping us out here today. You're very welcome.